Hello, welcome to the Full English, the United Kingdom's Airbnb podcast, the place to learn how to buy, host and grow your Airbnb business, specifically in the United Kingdom, helping you to learn, grow and become an Airbnb success. Hello and welcome to this week's show. Today I'm speaking with Beth. Beth used to be a nurse, but when she learned of the opportunities in short-term rentals, she decided to give it a go and she hasn't looked back since. Her business is growing nicely with a combination of properties under management and properties owned by her and her boyfriend and partner. All of her properties are in Sheffield. She has great focus, commitment and importantly, really fantastic attention to detail. This has really put her in a good position to develop her business and I think she'll go from strength to strength in the coming period. Let's jump straight in and see what we learn today. Hi Beth, welcome to the show. Thank you Mike, it's a pleasure to be on. Great to to have you with us today. Um, Beth, let's jump straight in. I know you used to be a nurse uh, and now you own and operate a short-term rental business. Um, just tell us a little bit about your background kind of as a nurse and how you transitioned from that into into where you are now as a short-term rental professional. Yeah, so I was um, a nurse. I've been qualified about 10 years. Um, it's it's flown. I've always worked in, in hospitals, like with patients face-to-face. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of communication and empathy with patients and families. Um, so it's it's a sort of sort of a few transitional bits there when you're thinking of hospitality. Um, but really what got me into short-term rentals was um, I had the opportunity through my partner to um, take on one of his properties to sort of trial as a serviced accommodation, which just basically means an Airbnb that everybody knows it as Airbnb now. Um, and he was, it's just, he was doing like a buy to let portfolio of a few properties. And obviously with the tax changes with the mortgage interest relief being reduced um, to a 20% tax credit, it just seemed we had to start looking at other strategies really. Um, so we thought we would trial one um, of the properties and aim it towards contractors um, and so corporate bookings. And when we initially started I was obviously a full-time nurse not even thinking about doing this um so we got in touch with a management company who sent us a brief of what they did and then I basically read it and thought well I can give that a go um alongside my my job and that's how it all started and that was in February 2020 just before Covid. <laughs> okay everyone started just before Covid it's a terrible <laughs> it is, luck, yeah. that, isn't it? but people managed to get through it amazingly um, and come out the other side with with some great businesses so um, for the purpose of this I know you're not married to your partner but for the purpose of this conversation kind of call it a husband and wife team just tell us a little bit about um, the the kind of work that, that your partner does um the kind of properties he takes on it'd be good to get a bit of a background and understanding of that yeah so um he's always been into development um started doing extensions and customer work basically and i think before i even knew him he was doing um sort of he was into the building construction um learning on the job kind of thing um and he just he got his first house um and he and then he he did it up and then refinanced it um, and then he got his second house and it, he just was learning sort of he was doing the buy refurbish refinance mm. model without realizing he was doing it at the time um, and he just scaled from there really um, and I think because he's always tried to kind of have his own team and do it himself he he's kind of he's learned all this sort of bits along the way that that goes into that um, and obviously he's got a lot of knowledge and skills but it's now he's so busy with his own work that he's he, he doesn't do that much customer work anymore but it's just basically mm-hmm. gone from there and scaled mm-hmm. and, uh, so he, he's managed to build up a number of properties i think um on that basis yeah. which has been sort of the the grounding to the 
the short term rental portfolio as well. How many between in that kind of that group of properties? How many are there now? I actually don't know. And <laughs> when you talk, when you talk to him and ask him, he'll just say not enough. <laughs> um, but obviously, he's put some into like um, he's, he buys some in companies now and, and does it that way. Um, and also looks at sort of joint venturing with other people um, and, and doing bigger developments. And we're actually looking at we're looking at commercial buildings at the moment that can be looked to be sort of turned into a part a part hotels as they're mm. called. Um, so that's sort of our next focus. But yeah. So yeah. how, of how many of those properties though are being sort of looked after sort of by yourself through like the management model that you've you've put together? So um, we've got nine that we'd say we own, um, and there there are properties that we've done and designed specifically now for serviced accommodation. Um, so we've not really, I mean, they could be turned back to a buy to let, but we've we've gone we've put things in and spent so much extra on soundproofing and things that we probably wouldn't have done if it hadn't been serviced accommodation. Um, so we've got nine of those and then I've got four on sort of management for other people. So separate to us uh, that I just work on a commission basis for. Mm-hmm. So how, what are your thoughts in terms, obviously you've got the nine which are kind of part of your kind of husband and wife or partner team, and then you've now got another four which you've got separate agreements with uh, with with other landlords are you going to be looking to to grow that side of the business and to grow the management side of the business um or yeah. are you looking are you looking to kind of continue this sort of dynamic with your partner in terms of sort of the development and the management side of stuff or, or is it a combination of the two yeah so a bit of a combination of the two like I say if we can get some sort of commercial buildings uh, trying to do it on a bit of a bigger scale now um, and what we found is that it's the economies of scale what make this business work so if you've just got one or two uh, really it's it's kind of you can't you can't really make that as profitable um, and your overheads are obviously um, not really worth it and you can't particularly take members of staff on until you grow to a certain point um, because the margins are not massive, even though a lot of people will say, oh, you know, you can rent everything out for £100 a night, £150 a night. When you actually add up the costs, um, you actually, your margin isn't massive. Um, so we're definitely looking at, at doing more sort of commercial conversion work mm-hmm. now. Um, so give, give us a feel of some of this co- commercial conversion stuff then. Uh, what kind of things you're looking at and, and whereabouts are they? Yeah, so... Um, when I say anything really we do try and stick to local so we're we're based in Sheffield um and we'll we'll look we'll look at anything as long as it's not too far away because obviously his team's here um and and obviously we're around and it's just it's just better if we can get something local and we know our market here as well um so at the moment I mean we've got a couple of he's got a couple of shops um, but they are rented out on leases to other businesses at the moment. But it's looking at whether we can actually convert the upstairs to apartments and create some more service accommodation up there. And also try and, come, as the, the leases run out, potentially look at um, putting almost like a commercial sort of a, a coffee shop or something underneath and then some apartments upstairs. Um, but yeah, at the moment we're just we're just mm. looking and, and toying with the ideas. Yeah. So, what kind of apartments would they be then? If you're going to do kind of sort of a commercial apart hotel, that would um, would that imply that these would almost be sort of small studio apartments? Yeah. So um, we'd probably do like two beds because um, I do get quite a lot of queries for even the contractor market even though there's six of them you think and, and a lot of people and what I've seen are coming onto the market thinking right I can get six or eight people in here two or three bathrooms then when you speak to the companies actually the one they don't want to cram people in like that and it's more about the quality of the stay than what it is the amount of people you can cram in um, mm-hmm. for as cheap as possible so I think the two beds, two baths are working really well. And the three bed apartment, we've got a three bed apartment, a two bed apartment. They seem to be really quite popular um, because of the fact that there's there's bathrooms to accommodate that. And I've just actually got an inquiry through this morning um, for 11 employees, which you could 
technically fit into a two and a three bed apartment given the zip link beds and the sofa beds but they've said actually we would prefer to have three units so we're not cramming everybody into one space and just ask for a price for that so I think yeah I think it's definitely worth looking at two beds and, and not trying to think well you can't really get as many people in there um, and as well we're also looking at obviously HMO market, but again, mm. it's um, that's a separate kind of entity that would would look yeah. at that. Yeah. So I mean, it's just a bit more practical then, isn't it? Just to say that two beds, two baths, it just means that you get more bookings, like your guests will be happier, like they'll stay for longer, they'll pay a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you think that's the right way to look at it? Yeah, I mean, I have got we have got a couple that you can sleep to eight to ten people, and they obviously get popular for um, families and people that are coming for an event nearby, nearby, and they can obviously share with the friends. And it's a short term, might be a weekend or something, or the wedding guests. But then when you've got somebody that's coming for a block booking of weeks or months, they don't really want to be crammed into a space. They they want somewhere that there's enough people, um, there's enough space in the dining area to sit everybody around and have a meal. And it's just more of a comfortable experience. I think they're looking for at the minute. And obviously the yeah you've got to work to a budget, but if they're staying longer, there there are a lot of things that you can kind of cut costs on, including sort of the frequency of cleaning and linen changing and things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. That's uh, that's fantastic. Um, so you were talking about economies of scale and um, getting more and more properties to make that work. The flip side to making that work with economies of scale is obviously you've got to be able to kind of run. You've got to be able to run a large number of properties efficiently. Otherwise, it's incredibly difficult to scale, isn't it? Because you'll just be creating like, more and more admin work that you can't keep up can't keep up with um yeah. so i think you've probably got some kind of plans in place as to um, how you're going to manage that additional workload and how you're going to make that efficient but i just wonder if you could tell us a bit more a bit more about that yeah so obviously when i was one or two properties i took the second one on in 2020 in the summer after i'd started the the first one in the february um I was doing all the cleaning myself, to be honest, when I began. And then I had somebody, I had a small cleaning business at that point where we did customer work that I sort of did alongside my job. Mm -hmm. Um, And a couple of the girls that worked with me doing that came in and and came onto the team and did the Airbnb checkout cleans as well. But obviously it gets to a point where there's just not enough hours on a Friday and a Monday to do all that yourself. And obviously doing that, you're missing out doing the the revenue generating tasks, you know, the talking to the contractors, bosses or the the families or answering guest queries. Um, so you're actually losing money by trying to do everything yourself, spinning all these plates. Mm-hmm. So now I have um, quite early on, I took on extra cleaning staff and developed that cleaning business alongside the accommodation business. Um, and I have just, well, Last year, I've taken on the uh, operations manager. So she now sorts all the cleaning, main, uh, sort of maintenance tasks out. Um, she'll do the organisation, the collecting and dropping off linen. So I've come quite hands off in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can focus now on on the admin tasks, which do take up a lot of time, especially sort of bookkeeping and, and spreadsheets and all the rest of it. But um yeah, so so I've, I've sort of built that up as well. Fo- yeah, at least you can focus. You can focus on that. Um, just going back to Sheffield, I did mean to ask you. You say you're um, you're looking at sort of predominantly contractors in Sheffield. What is the marketplace then in Sheffield? Obviously, there is a market for contractors there. Um, what kind of contractors are these? Are these is it building sites, or does it not necessarily yeah, have so- to be? building sites yeah, so I know um there's a few there's a few books and a few podcasts out there saying you know you've got to identify your ideal guest type and while I agree with that to an extent I think only focusing on contractors you know you're, you're eliminating your family market and your leisure market and I think when we spoke on the phone I said you know in the week we can have contractors which stay Monday to Friday and then at the weekend it might be families, leisure guests, friends that are coming to, for an event or something, the arena, mm. for example. 
Um, and I think it's important to try and appeal to both types of guests. So you don't want to be just focusing on contractors or focusing on that. But I think um, just, just having photos that kind of advertise itself, given an, a, you know, an overall um, overview of Sheffield and the area, and then highlight the fact that there's Wi-Fi and parking and that and, and once you've got a contractor through the door, you can then sort of go directly to their boss and turn the future bookings to direct. And I think mm -hmm. that's where it's important. But I, I have seen a few other operators sort of primarily say, you know, we are co for contractor digs. But then I think the weekends could end up void in that case. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, the, um, but I mean, the type of guests we get, um, they can be, you know, we've had ground workers, we've had people installing the fiber cables uh, for Sheffield that work, mm. um, they, they can work all week, so that's great. And um, we've got people installing sort of the EV points because obviously a big push for electrical charging in Sheffield because of the yeah. clean emissions yeah. thing coming in. Um, and yeah, or we might get people that are sort of working on events and at the weekend they need somewhere to stay um so people from yeah. the arena so you don't you don't have to you don't have to spell out that this is for contractors you've just got to say say the stuff that you've got which are going to appeal to all sorts of people really isn't it and then people can make their own decision up can't they if it's if it's right for them and i suppose yeah. they don't need to be told this is for contractors they can just see if it's got the stuff they'd want in it can't they and go from there yeah that's it so i think a lot of guests do filter by area for one and also amenities so as long as you're listing the amenities that are going to target contractors you know the wi-fi because a lot of them you know they like to have a smart tv they like tv in every room um or you know local places to eat and you can go there from restaurants to places for takeaways and i've got everything on a digital guidebook now um so you don't have to specifically say contractors because when I've actually looked at a Google Analytics for search terms, contractors in the actual search term isn't massively searched for either. It's more sort of no. Well, you wouldn't, rentals. would you? No. You search for if you Google were a contractor, contractor, you'd search. You'd, you'd still just yeah. search for what you want, wouldn't you? you exactly. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So a number of bedrooms or a number of bathrooms or Wi-Fi or parking or, or whatever it is. Um. But I do think that yeah, there's definitely you shouldn't eliminate a market from just trying to get a longer term booking. Yeah, yeah. So at the moment, you've got you've started off with all of these properties, which are kind of part of your sort of partnership with your partner. Um, mm -hmm. And then now you've started to take on management properties. And I think you've got four of those at the moment. How are you yeah. going to what's your plan to get more of those? How are you going to attack that? And um. Now, now it seems that you're sort of getting quite well geared up to take more on. You've got lots of processes mm -hmm. in place. You've got a little bit more time yourself available to really get into the detail of that. How are you yeah. going to go from four to to eight to twelve to sixteen? Yeah, so I've got um, I've got a management company as well. So I, I do specific sort of well, I do target marketing on both. So I've got the accommodation business and then I've got the management business. And then it's just talking to people and trying to network. I mean, one of them actually came off the back of me getting a double booking. Um, and it was it just one of those things where there was like a glitch in the channel manager or something. Um, so this this poor guest was getting married the next day. So I was I was actually 84 miles away at the time and I was I just wanted to try and sort something out for him. So I got in touch with another host that was local and we managed to relocate to their accommodation. And then actually when I got speaking to them on checkout, they they were already busy in what they were doing and they were realising how much time it takes doing all this um, management just for one property. So they actually said, you know, we'll, we'll get, we can give it a go with you. We'll, we'll let you sort of do it for your management commission and just see how it goes. And so I got one just from talking to somebody from a double booking. Um, mm -hmm. So I think as well, when you've established quite a bit and you've got a track record and people can see that obviously people have had a good experience when they've stayed in, in our accommodations, it's more likely to then sort of get the respect and the, the credibility to take on other people's and they're going to trust what you're doing is, is going to be sort of the best for getting the best revenue they can for their property. Yeah. Sure enough, sure enough. 
Okay, coming back to, we talked a little bit about um, design earlier, so I'm jumping around a, a little bit here, mm -hmm. but um, I've talked about the design and how you kind of keep the design, well, we didn't so much talk about the design per se, we talked about the features and the things that the property has got, um, yeah. so they can um, appeal to more than one guest avatar, more than one type of guest. Um, I mean, does that? How does that apply to the design as well? That that idea of making it appeal to different types of people. Um, when you're looking to design a place and you're sort of buying furniture and so on, are you also thinking about that um, at that point in time as well? Because that probably makes it a bit harder, doesn't it? Because if you're just thinking about one specific guest avatar, then you can kind of put yourself in their head and give them everything that you think they would want. But if you're trying to catered to two, three, four different types of guests. Does it make that more difficult? Or do you just um, sort of make it nice and neutral and, yeah, and so sort of think that appeals to everyone? Yeah, so all our properties, because they've been refurbished um, or they've, they've at least had a light refurbishment, if not completely taken back to brick <laughs> and extended, then um, they, we have got the opportunity to obviously design it um as we would like so we always try and put the same kitchens in um and even the same bathrooms and and that's not to be boring but it's just so that if anything breaks or if you, if you need to replace something it's just so much easier less sort of time consuming with going and picking up different bits and then things get discontinued and it's a nightmare so we do mm -hmm. try and do that from from the first fixed stage uh, second fix sorry really and then um my furniture i've got the same sort of furniture throughout all the properties where i just add bits in to make it specific to that sort of property so it might be a different size table or um, a different design of chair but primarily everything is very similar and part of the reason of doing that is so that when a guest particularly returning guest comes in they think ah this is one of arcs properties you know mm -hmm. a bit a bit like sort of how Premier Inn have done their branding, where they've just stuck to the similar colours, um, but you, you, different bits of the country that you might be in. You think, well, I know you know you're in a Premier Inn because of the purple and yeah. the white. Um, well, we've tried to adapt that in our model um, and and just kept everything sort of one colour, and then have the occasional accent colour, um, which which I think works really well and. Less is more sometimes, I think, especially for in terms of maintenance. And when you're coming to clean a property, it just looks clean lines, fresh. It's not loads of clutter everywhere. And there's not loads of different colours that you're trying to match. And then, you know, sort of all your, all your pictures are, are quite similar to the properties. But at least, you know, you're in an art property and that you're going to have hopefully a, a good experience yeah. while you're there. Yeah. Where, where do you get all your stuff from? Have you got sort of particular suppliers that you go to for all of your stuff? And some people obviously go to like the sort of the bog standard one-stop shop is to go and get everything from IKEA. But <laughs> and I know sort of some people kind of people seem to start off at IKEA and then move away from it as they find that you know furniture falls apart and so on. Um, yeah. what, what's your top tip for for furniture? Well, I actually get I get it from a few places, but it's all the same the same type of stuff I've actually tried to go directly to the warehouse but because I'm not a supplier they won't give me an account but well, that's what I tried but basically I, I go I started off on a, an eBay shop and that eBay shop well it's not second hand it's brand new stuff but it's it comes from a, a same supplier as as say Wayfair um and the range as well they have the same furniture but it's it's just a slight price change depending on where you're looking so I, I know now what's called so I just look it up and then um, it'll come up with like a comparison and I'll get it from for the best deal at the time but it is all from the same supplier Um, I think it's GFW warehouse or something but they won't actually give me a sort mm -hmm. of a trade account if you like um, mm -hmm. but I've bought so much flat pack from there um, is it, on, is it sorry. quite ro is it quite robust their their stuff or yeah so that's the thing because so I, I bought I bought the first lot the first house and it stood the test of time I bought it for the second one and to be honest they're really good to deal with as well so if a part breaks you, you can get another one there within a couple of days 
Um, the shipping's really good. They come out within sort of two or three days. And I know there are companies out there what will do all the setup for you. Um, but when I've actually looked at their furniture and compared it to what I've sourced myself, I just prefer having the flexibility to pick more um, mm-hmm. more things myself, really. Um, and we, we do actually offer setups now as part of our management um, service, if you like. So we can always source people's furniture depending on what they're looking for as well. Um, yeah. But at, going back to IKEA, we've spent I, well, I've spent hours and hours in IKEA going around with trolley loads, and it, I, I, I can say their kitchen stuff, um, you know, the the bedding and everything is actually really good from IKEA, and it really does stand the 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 wash cycles because it obviously gets washed a heck of a load more than what it would normally. Um, and to be honest, I can't fault IKEA, but I do. I do obviously need to look at the bottom line. So we, we tend to buy uh, duvets, pillows and things like that from wholesalers now, but make sure we get sort of the, the better range, not the, the cheap range, because it just doesn't last as far as economy. Yeah. And then you've got some you've got some lovely photography um, of your properties on Airbnb. Just tell us a bit about how you do photos and, and how important you think the photos are for a property. Yes. Yeah. I think I think they're absolutely essential for this for the business basically because that is your shop front. You haven't got that's the first thing that a guest is going to see when they go on Airbnb or they go on your website. And having photos on a phone is fine when you're first getting your listing up. I I don't think you know there's no good waiting for everything to be perfect before you put it online, but. Uh, definitely the photography is so so important and and getting somebody who's they're not necessarily the cheapest photographer but if they're consistent that and you know that you're going to get high resolution pictures from them and that you're going to be able to rely on them to come back and and sort of if we've 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 like extended any of the properties um is actually come back and and re-photograph them and things for you know even though he's moved away from Sheffield now I always Mm -hmm. try and use the same person um I did use somebody else briefly but it was just uh they didn't take as many pictures and I think that it was a lot more budget friendly but I can definitely recommend our photographer if you want some details I'm very happy to pass on Michael's uh, contact um he's actually based in Scarborough now but he did live in Sheffield and that's that's the first person I used and it's the, still the person I use now. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, please do that. We'll pick that up afterwards and, and we'll put them in, yeah. in the show notes for anyone anyone who's interested. Yeah. So I think we've talked a little bit about automation um, and the number of tools and automation tools that are available. Um, so in terms of you kind of having a bit more time available, so you're not physically running around trying to sort of pick up, you know, duvets and clean things and the like. Um, but like the automation and the um, guest communication, I mean, that in, that also takes quite a lot of time as well, doesn't it? Um, yeah. T- tell us where you're up to in terms of automation on that side of the business and sort of making that more streamlined without making it impersonal. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important that you, I think from the very start, even if you've got one property, um, it's important to get a channel manager, which I which I used to use. Uh, I've used a few different ones now that I've trialed. I started off with Tokeet, um, just because it had been recommended by somebody I listened to on a podcast. And while it was fine, it didn't have everything I wanted for the, I think it, it was something, um, it was just not, robust enough for me and I got a couple of double bookings which is I'm not saying it was their fault because it's probably something that I've not synced properly but um I've just found that channel manager is an absolute essential even if you've only got a couple of properties because if you get a double booking and it's a really busy weekend in say July or something everything's sort of gone up three times in price and you have to relocate that guest. You have to pay for it as a host. Yeah. And they will, you know, they'll pick the most expensive property because you're paying for it. Um. So that that can be a nightmare. So definitely get a good channel manager. There's loads of them that'll do a, a free 30 day trial. Um. I actually use Smoobu. 
And I just find that's really good because I can plug in my other software into it and it's quite budget friendly as well. Um, yeah, what's that one called again? Sorry, Beth? Smoobu, so S-M-O-O-B-U. Okay, okay, yeah. fine. And that's um, best of the bunch or it's the best one for your the current size of your business? I mean, this can change, can't it, as your business grows and yeah. evolves? One, one which was perfect yeah. is perhaps not so perfect as, as you get bigger. But that, that's yeah. good for you at the moment. Yeah, just because I um, I do plug other things into it, other software that I use. So like my dynamic pricing goes in there. So I use Price Labs for that, which I think lots of people use. Because um, again, your nightly rate that you can achieve on an event weekend can be sort of 400% more than what it can be sort of low season. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it does show you market dashboards and things. So it's quite useful to come for comparison. Um, and it's quite flexible in what it lets you do as well. So yeah. I use that. How, how, I, how, easy, how easy are the plugins, Beth, to get to sort of plug the other bits in? Is that really easy or is that quite difficult and you have to get someone else to help you with it? Or um, I think if you've, if you've, if you're okay, if your level's sort of average with computers, it is really easy. Um, if you're somebody who struggles with um, potentially sort of using technology and and sort of plugging things in, and you ha- you, you would need help sort of attaching something to an email, you would definitely need someone to help you with it because it needs to run properly. Because what I've noticed is if you don't sync things properly to say the online travel agents, you can end up getting one night stays or end up advertising something really cheap which you didn't mean to do which of course is is trial and error to an extent but I think if you're not tech savvy you need to get somebody to help you but I found it straightforward but I've always sort of worked with worked on computers even as a nurse we have to do a lot on computers um and another piece of software that I plug in now is called charge automation and that is that's um for me it's it's great because it only if you if you're selling on their upsells so for example i advertise early check-in late check-out for a small fee they might just want to to pay a little bit extra and stay a bit longer you can do all that through charge automation and they'll only charge you a percentage of the revenue from the upsell so it's not like a a fee-based program where it's like a subscription you only get charged for what you use on it so I really like that. And it's great for security deposits too, which are an absolute must, um, mm-hmm. which I've learned the hard way, unfortunately, with um, COVID lockdown parties and, and you name it. Uh, not yeah. taking deposits wasn't a very good idea. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a bit more about Price Labs and exactly what you can and can't do on Price Labs. So I actually think that there's a lot more to Price Labs than I even use, but at the moment I um, I use it for obviously dynamic pricing. So you're setting your minimum rate that you'll accept for a night maximum, and then a base rate, which is basically what you should be achieving um, throughout the year. Um, you can you can set that, but then you can also set it to discount X amount of percent if it's within so many days. So you might say, right, offer guests 30% discount within five days. Um, and then you can limit that as well to obviously your minimum. It'll never knock it below the minimum price. Um, and you can set it. So something called orphan gaps, which is where you've got a little gap in your calendar. So you might have um, two nights in the week that are not filled because somebody's booked Monday to Wednesday and then Friday to, um, sorry, Saturday to, to Monday or something. So it can actually say, right, if there's a gap of this within so many days, allow a two nights day as sort of a, just to fill those gaps in. And again, you can hike the price up for that as well. If somebody's only coming for two nights or one night, you would obviously need to charge more because of your cleaning and linen costs that come associated with it and, mm. you know, sort of that turnaround process. Um, so, yeah, it, it lets you do all sorts of things. And there's a lot more than what I'm saying here, but um, they actually are really useful as well. If you need any support, they've got online um, live chat and somebody gets back to you really quickly. I can't yeah. fault them, to be honest. Um, so how much, um, it's going to be difficult to say, but uh, yeah. just, I always think it would just literally just be difficult for you to know the answer. But f- from using some, say, Price Labs or something like, like 
Waste Labs compared to just trying to do it yourself without uh, the software. Um, how much, you know, how much more can you kind of can you make on a property? I mean, obviously you've got a certain amount that you have to pay Price Labs for a subscription, um, yeah. but then like, how much value does it add? Um, yeah, you're definitely definitely worth the money because obviously you can make back what you pay Price Labs in a month. You can make that in a weekend with just with them knowing that there's there's some there's a demand for your area that you wouldn't have been aware of. So sometimes we get, well, we're always getting things at the arena that I I don't know about. Um, I do I sign up for events newsletters, so I can try and keep on top of it. But mm. they they take all that admin headache out of doing that. And because I used to be there on a Monday morning looking at what everybody else was charging and trying to be competitive, but not trying to appear um too cheap to keep it profitable um but price labs actually take take the the admin out of that really um so you definitely definitely get your money back and more do they know do they know that there's an event going on or do they just know that other properties are putting their price up so yes they'll be aware of some of yeah they'll be aware of some headline events um like we have tram lines in july they'll know about that sort of thing. And it's actually, there's a way on the market d- dashboard of listing the mm. events, but there's there's some things that they will miss, but you know it's happening, but the demand might not necessarily look um, that high because obviously it could be four months in the future. So they, it, there might be certain things that, that are not on there that you've just got to make sure that you've got your price. Because what you can do on there is say, recommended price increase this recommended price by 200 percent because you know there's something going on that the demand isn't there for yet but you know that as the tickets sell out those dates will actually become really high in demand and if you've booked out if you sold out too early too cheap then obviously you've missed a lot of um a lot of potential Mm. income there Mm -hmm. so that's um that is all about looking at property that you've already got and trying to maximize what you earn from property which is running what about looking at a property which like you're thinking of taking on like whether that's through like a landlord that you're speaking to or it's a development that your partner's looking at um do you do you use it for that to estimate what um, you could you earn can, from a property you could you with things like price labs you wouldn't you wouldn't use it for like deal analysis you'd always have to do your own either get an analyzer that's that you use already or or just sit down and work the figures out because that that's something separate it is just solely for the pricing for properties that you've got up and running um and you do have to put minimum maximum in yourself so they they can suggest a base price for you but it'll only compare it to like the number of bedrooms or the number of bathrooms is how I understand it anyway mm, um, yeah. but yeah for taking on new deals I think you need to do your own um, your own sort of deal analysis spreadsheet on there and just put everything at worst case scenario cost um, and then see if, see if it stacks up really before you think about sort of taking it on. Yeah okay okay good well that's fantastic in terms of that price lab stuff i think that's um that's really interesting so what kind of in terms of the landlords that you work with so we know you've got several of those on the books at the moment what kind of deals do you tend to do with these with the landlords that you work with in terms of um duration of those deals so we um we like to do at least three years um because obviously we, we prefer five um but Three years is a minimum just because of the the fact that there's always something that needs doing um you know but even if it's a bit of light refurbishment or def you know furnishing it you say you could put that furniture somewhere else but it's, it's in that property and it's been we, we put things in that'll fit in that property and they're going to get used for that duration um and also we, we do say you know we'll take on any of the maintenance so they won't have the hassle of the maintenance um so we can you know, apart from obviously if it's something exterior to the property or a boiler or something like that, um, all the, the bits and bobs that break on, on every so often, sort of a fridge or a cabinet or a door handle or something, they don't even have to think about any of that. So we do say that for that sort of peace of mind for them, we also need 
sort of be a reassurance that we can have a longer term lease than yeah. just 12 months otherwise yeah there's not really any point in uh, in doing it um uh, and the management i actually don't put pressure on anybody to sign in to say they're going to they, they, they sign to say about the 20 percent commission that i charge after the ota commission so that's sort of off the net um but i just say just see how it goes with me um you know give it a go i'm not you're not signing in for any particular term um and then you know if they're happy with everything we can we look at contracts later down the line but i i don't want to come across as sort of once they've signed in there's no get out and they've handed it over to somebody and and now their plans have changed because i realize that it's their property if they've furnished it and they they just want me to manage it advertise it sort out the checkouts and communicate with the guests then i'm not I don't personally feel that they need to sign in for a long term for me yeah. to be able to do that. I suppose I suppose the only way that you can do that is if, as you say, if they do pay for the sort of the furnishings and so on. Because obviously mm. you wouldn't want to pay for all of that if if they weren't being tied in for for yeah. a certain time period. I mean, I suppose from your point of view, what are some of the differences between sort of doing a management agreement where you'll charge percentage um, and doing a rent to rent agreement where you'll you'll give a landlord a fixed amount of of income um, and also I suppose especially having set up your business um, just before the pandemic there's obviously there's like risk side of it as well isn't there to, for you to be mindful of in terms of perhaps yeah. the rent rents are maybe better in some ways but they come with a slightly different risk profile as well don't they yeah exactly and it is you've, you've hit the nail on the head it's about the risk really because if you've signed in for a, um, a three-year contract on a rent-to-rent agreement, then they shut the calendars again. There's another pandemic, which hopefully not. But I mean, nobody thought that would happen with COVID. Um, you know, it, then potentially you've got to you've got to look at other ways of of kind of generating that income. Because I I actually got quite busy in COVID because I had developed my first website, which I've changed from now. Um, and there were other online travel agents that hadn't shut their calendars. So I just tried to advertise on Google ads on Facebook and just change strategy a bit. Um, so I actually managed to at least break even or only have minimal losses in COVID. So that was quite, I was quite fortunate with that. But I only, at that point, I only had three properties, um, you know, sort of throughout that lockdown period. Um, so it wasn't too bad for me, but I think if you've got say ten on a rent-to-rent um, deal, say, um, I think it can be quite high risk if you if you're getting it for market rent, say, then you've done it up, and then it's on you really to get the bookings because you've got to give that landlord the rent whether you get bookings or not. Um, whereas obviously with a management agreement it's you obviously want to get the bookings you want to get the best price possible because if they win you win you know the more they get the the higher you get because you're mm-hmm. taking a percentage mm-hmm. of the revenue but in terms of risk obviously it's a lot less risky because if it is low occupancy or the there are sort of um a, a few issues with the property then it's not you having the massive costs but obviously we always we always want the best for the owners, um, obviously, because they're, they're getting more than, than we're getting more, but it's definitely less risky. Of course. And, and, and then you talked about as well, just then briefly, um, Airbnb shutting the calendars. And obviously, if they, do, if they turn around and do that, then you're completely beholden to them. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you, you're obviously fairly stuck in terms of what you can and can't do unless... Um, and you did allude to it there, you've done some work in terms of uh, getting bookings off platform, um, getting direct bookings. Uh, yeah. How do you feel about direct bookings? And is that something that post pandemic, is that something you continue in to, yeah. to work on and to build? Yeah, so that is my main uh, focus now is direct bookings. Um, and I think it's important to see Airbnb and Booking.com as um marketing channels and the the they've spent you know so much on their advertising and they are they have got great business models um but at the end of the day they're they're taking a big hefty commission off your um off your income basically and and we pay thousands in commission um if we're not getting direct bookings it's 
it's uh, quite quite a massive number when you look at the end of the month how much you've given to booking.com and uh, airbnb but obviously without them mm-hmm. i mean the business will be so much more difficult to advertise because you you'd just be sort of there'd no be no place for people to go right i'll go on airbnb and have a look what's available but what i think is really important to convert the bookings or not necessarily convert the existing bookings when you've got somebody through the door, you say, do you need any more accommodation? Or do you know anyone that needs any further accommodation? Uh, we have a number of properties available in the area. Um, and then it's just so important to follow up with um, sort of emailing afterwards as well, just to make sure, A, that they review and that if there's any feedback, they can let you know. And then I always have on everything, always the best rates direct, just to put that in their mind with every message underneath always the Mm -hmm. best rates direct Mm -hmm. and then they sign oh um i'll have a look at that and in the properties now i've actually got um qr codes on business cards so they just need to scan it on the phone and it comes up with a website and it's checking and checkouts i've tried to make it as simple as possible for people to come direct um but i understand obviously being as being a website that they're not familiar with um, at least when they're in your property, you can see that you do exist and it is nice. It is as the pictures show. Uh, I think you're more likely to get future direct bookings. But I think it's quite difficult to get them initially, um, you know, unless they've been before, really. Yeah, yeah. Do you still do the advertising on you know, Facebook and Google and the like, or is that something that you only did during the pandemic? Yes, I use Google. Um, it's really important to set up a Google business page just so that if somebody looks you up, you've got a presence on Google um, and they've got something called SEO, where the more terms, search terms that you've got on your website that can be identified by Google, the higher up in the ranking that you'll get. Um, and I, that's something that I'm working on now. And I've actually this morning got my first um, website booking that's a brand new guest. Um, and they've booked straight on the website and I'm just yeah it's kind of made my day because (laughs) obviously there's no commission being paid to Airbnb and booking.com and it just shows that obviously I have set it up correctly and that everything's worked as it should have Um, but yeah it's just it's it's just important to just remind people that you the direct rate is the, the, not only the most competitive, but perhaps if you can offer a slightly earlier check-in, slightly later check-out, just something that differentiates it from being on the, the the sort of online travel agents, then I think that's the way forward. Fantastic, fantastic. So we've covered a lot of ground there, um, Beth, in terms of, sort of the journey that you've been on over, over the last few years. And I think you've come you've come a really long way in that time period. Um, just give us an idea about what's next for you um, and what, what are your plans over the next couple of years to drive your business forwards. And I think we've touched on some of the points, but if you give us a bit of a summary. Yeah, so just continuing scaling what I'm doing, taking on more management um, for people, growing my existing cleaning and maintenance team so that we can we can offer that service to other property hosts as well. Because um, so at the moment we, we can do that, but obviously with a with a team as they are, they are already busy. Um, so taking more on, being able to offer that as sort of a separate service, um, and then like I say, trying to do more part hotels, hopefully bigger units, more more place, uh, more accommodation in the same building, um, and then we can look at things like smart locks because when you when you have smart locks for individual properties it can get quite expensive because obviously it's not in one block of apartments. You've got them dotted about all over the place and it's the setup costs and the infrastructure is quite, quite big for that. Um, and then as well, just, just outsourcing and um, more parts of my admin tasks that I'm doing at the moment and hopefully getting some more sort of cottage, cottage retreats because we have got one in Derbyshire at the moment um, that's obviously targeted at holiday um mm-hmm. the holiday market so it's looking at more of that as well and hopefully um getting some teams set up to manage that if they're a bit further afield yeah so the, you like the cottages that cottage that you have got does it do well it's doing well it how does it do in compared to the uh sheffield city center ones is it yeah so I've noticed, 
that's very seasonal so i've noticed um it's picking up a bit now um but the the say the nightly rate you can achieve in sort of november december january february is considerably lower than than sheffield and i think that is just because um people are not really holidaying as much at the moment um through the winter months and it's you can you can't really target contractors it is a one bed um, so we do get the occasional people coming for work, but it's it's only really short term, and it's not it's not sort of um, somewhere where we would necessarily expect contractors and, and sort of corporate workers to go because it because it's just quite a small unit. But yeah, it's it's in the summer months it gets busier, um, and and we've, they've just actually put a sofa bed in there so it can sleep more people now and things. So it, it is appealing to families and, and things like that but yeah definitely not not as busy um but getting there and it's definitely getting busier than fantastic it was. fantastic and um, beth if um if our listeners would like to reach out to you whether it's to uh, discuss booking one of your properties or whether mm-hmm. perhaps they've got properties in the sheffield area um they'd like to yeah. discuss with you um I'm sure yeah. you'd be a fantastic, fantastic option for anyone who is a landlord in the Sheffield area. What's the best way for, for anyone to reach out with you if they'd like to? Yeah, so if you want to um, email me, it's info at ARC, so it's A-R-K, servicedaccommodation.com. Um, and I, I'm, I'm on my emails all the time, they're on my phone. Um, and as well, I'm on Facebook, ARC, Serviced Accommodation, Twitter, Instagram, um, so yeah, just contact me through ARC and I will be, I'll, it's me that manages all the social media and everything at the minute. So yeah, more than happy to get in touch, more than happy to help anybody who's looking mm. for either scaling or setting up or taking on management or just want a bit of advice. Perfect. Thanks, Beth. It's been fantastic to have you with me today. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for inviting me on. It's a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this week's show and remember we have a new conversation with a UK-based short-term rental expert every week released on a Monday morning. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review and a five-star rating. This really does help with the search algorithm and helps others to find the show and helps us to grow the show organically. Have a great week and I'll see you next time on TFE.